0: You are now listening to Discover Your Potential with radio talk show host Dan Gilman, Cindy Gilman's son. So listen, participate, be inspired. Know that you can discover your
1: potential. Here is Dan Gilman. Hi, welcome to Discover Your Potential. I am Dan Gilman, Cindy Gilman's son. And I want to, it's a very exciting show today. Uh, I wanted to... Uh, start off with something my my mother actually read. We have a wonderful, we've got two wonderful guests here who are previous guests. Uh, in two thousand nineteen, I wanted to start off and read what my mother uh, stated. Uh, Every once in a while, a guest will appear that sparks the spirit of my soul, not because we work the same way, but our experiences and beliefs are parallel. To teach people that there is more to our lives, than here and now. And today's guests are two of these people. In great respect, I welcome Dr. Eben Alexander and his partner and co-writer, Karen Newell. Well, thank you so much for having us on,
0: Dan. And it's a real honor to uh, start off with uh, your mother's sage wisdom, because uh, we certainly uh, bonded with her. Uh, What a fantastic uh, interviewer. And she. uh, you know, doing this work with Discover Your Potential has been a gift to the world. So, thanks so much for having us on. Yes, oh, thank
2: you. Thank, you. thank yeah. you
1: for being our guest. I I truly appreciate. it. I'm so happy and glad that you're both here on on my mother's show once again. And I know she is glowing with a beautiful smile right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, can can uh, Dr. Evan Alexander? I know you were here uh, previously. Actually, I can't believe it's 2019. Uh, that, that we last uh, had you both on, uh, and uh, many people listened to the show previously, but just a, a refresher, can you please tell me, uh, tell about your near-death experiences, about the realms you visited or during your, your near-death experience? Because I know yeah. they're very interested, and, and I also wanted to share the books, too, that you've published. And
0: Yes, I, I'll just share a very, very brief version so we can uh, get into more discussion, but um, you know, I'd spent 54 years of my life as a neurosurgeon, uh, uh, teaching 15 years Harvard Medical School, thought I understood brain, mind, and consciousness. And then November 10th, 2008, uh, very suddenly, over a few hours early in the morning, went into deep coma due to a severe gram-negative bacterial meningoencephalitis. That's really about the worst kind of meningitis you can have. Uh, there's recently been case report on my medical records that was even more Uh, kind of amazing than my own version of the medical records in Proof of Heaven. That came out in uh, September 2018 in Journal of Nervous and Mental Diseases. But the upshot of it all is that this was a perfect model for human death. Um, Mm. My brain was very uh, uh, affected by this illness that that, that, uh, basically attacked my neocortex. Modern neuroscience believes that the neocortex, the outer surface of the brain, that's the part that makes us human. Um, and they believe that that generates all the details of conscious awareness so beautiful experimental prep to wipe that out with this meningitis in those seven days of coma i had the most uh, ultra real experiences i've ever had in my memory uh it began in an earthworm's eye view a very primitive course on responsive realm important to point out that one of the atypical features of my near-death experience was uh, the fact that I was amnesic, that I hmm. did not remember the life of Evan Alexander or any of the people in it, and therefore I had a very kind of unusual, uh, uh, but very far-reaching uh, set of events. Um, I went from that uh, that beginning point, what I call the earthworm's eye view, very primitive, course, unresponsive realm, uh, through uh, basically a portal of music. Uh, that was also of light that led me up into this ultra real gateway valley many earth-like features i was a speck of awareness on a butterfly wing there were millions of other butterflies looping in vast uh, spiraling formations Uh, many souls thousands of beings dancing in this lovely meadow below a beautiful guardian angel on the butterfly wing with me giving me i think the central message of that i was to bring back to this world and this is for all souls you are deeply loved and cherished forever you have nothing to fear you are cared for and yet that was only a stepping stone to higher and higher levels uh, i saw all of four-dimensional space time collapsing down all of that spiritual realm with all the richness where we would have our life reviews reunite with souls of departed loved ones and with our higher soul that infinitely loving and healing god force uh and then i went to even higher levels that was uh enabled because those uh the beautiful scenes in that Gateway Valley were being fueled by these angelic choirs that were swooping above and emanating chants and anthems, hymns that would thunder through me. Uh and that's what ushered me up to the highest level, the sanctum sanctorum of the divine, the core realm, infinite. Uh, inky blackness but filled to overflowing with dazzling light i mean it's it's yeah. pure paradox because all of the dualities come together in that realm of the core that's also the dwelling place that infinitely healing god force and i would cycle through those realms multiple times before finally i was uh, uh basically banned from those upper levels as i promised i would be and now it was come time to come back to this world that's when I saw six faces, they were very important because they hemmed in the timeline of when all this occurred um, in Earth time. It had to happen between days one and five of coma. And then, of course, the last face I saw of those six faces was of a 10-year-old uh, boy. And that was the first time that I felt a connection to this realm and felt this very strong need to come back. Uh, even though I had no idea who this was, but his pleading with me, you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. Uh, and this sense of soul connection is what drew me back to this world. It was my, my love for uh, who I found out to be my son, Bond, 10 years old at the time. But I had no memory of him when I first came back to this world. But my memories all, all returned over about two months. Uh, and that's an extraordinary part of the journey. And I've spent the last 12 years working with Karen, my uh, life partner in all of this, uh, trying to come to a deeper understanding of it, and especially the role of meditation to return to it. And that's where Karen and her work with sacred acoustics is so important. Uh, She started a company that makes uh, uh, this uh, powerful meditative technology to help me return to my NDE. And that's something we shared with many people.
1: What are the key lessons you learned from your experiences?
0: I think the most important lesson is that we're really all truly connected in a very deep sense through that God force, wow. um, and this is something most near-death experiencers talk about. I mean, the life review is a, a beautiful example. of In the the loving light of this infinitely loving, caring, and healing uh, God, you go through a review of your life, uh, and you know the good things you've done, where you've you've helped others, and and used love, compassion, forgiveness, acceptance, and and made other people's lives better, uh, contributing to the higher good, that always works well in that environment. But to the extent that, you know, our modern society is a bit polarized, people can be egocentric, what we can find is that sometimes um, things that we do just for ourselves and that we do especially if they hurt others, uh, they don't really work well in that environment. We learn lessons Uh, in that life review. And I think that's one of the most important lessons we can all learn is about this oneness of connection. And it's something that's greatly expanded in the work I've done in the 12 years since Mm -hmm. from a neuroscientific perspective of using meditation to re-explore, you know, sharing other journeys with other people, Uh, this oneness of connection that, you know, as Karen and I often say, the golden rule Uh, Treat others as you would like to be treated in many ways is written into the very fabric of the universe That's the most fundamental lesson that comes back from near-death experiences And that's really the fundamental lesson that we're trying to share and grow this world into is this oneness of connection uh, That how we treat ourselves and others with the true respect and dignity of the divine eternal spiritual beings We are that's where this whole world can change dramatically And it's something that's greatly supported by the neuroscience of consciousness, this notion of oneness and that we're all in this together. But you really don't have to go any further than NDEs that have been around for thousands of years, uh, because that's the deepest and most profound lesson that comes from the near-death experience community. And the modern scientific world is taking these much more seriously now. uh, And that is a real gift. So. That's something Karen and I work on really every day is this uh, kind of expansion of science to incorporate the spirituality and this uh, concept of oneness and love as a very healing property for all of us. Yes.
2: What We're working on right now, we are writing a 25,000 word paper as part of a contest. The deadline is August 1st, and uh, the contest is sponsored by the Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies. And the question that is being addressed in this paper is, what is the best evidence that we survive physical death? And so we've been putting together all the evidence we can think of, and I'll share with you that Something I think is incredibly key that not many of us realize. And that is that when we die, there are definite patterns that show up. And an incredible study that was done at uh, Hospice Buffalo in New York by Christopher Kerr and the Palliative Care Institute a few years ago, all studies up until now had been uh, at end of life were done asking the clinicians and the you know medical team that was around the patient what their observations were, but this time they asked the patients themselves. So in a number of structured interviews over many weeks, all leading up to their actual date of death, they tracked what he called their end of life dreams and visions. And what is so remarkable is that 88% of these participants reported having at least one end of life dream or vision. The most incredible statistic is that 99% of these people who had these experiences, they said they were real. They were not hallucinations, they were actual lived experiences. 99% of the people said, no, this is not a hallucination. It's the most, just like what Evans just said, it was those most alive and alert I've been ever and one of the most significant things that these people dreamed about was their deceased relatives coming to get them and so this is just you know when are we gonna start trusting these people telling us they're not hallucinations so many people dismiss Evan's experience as a hallucination people know the difference and that's what uh that's what's so exciting and, uh, well, I would just yeah, add that
0: that from in my particular case, um, uh, there's no reason to think it was a hallucination at all. Uh, mainly based on the scientific study of my case, my brain, uh, all eight loops, my brain were too heavily uh, involved with full thickness uh, damage from this infection, uh, neurologic exams, and lab values. I mean, this was a horrible case of. Uh, meningitis that uh, really had no significant chance of, of full recovery.
2: Because you need a brain in order to manufacture a hallucination. Yeah, you his need, brain, need a cortex, yeah, according not to in neuroscience,
0: of, uh, you know, all the details of modern conscious awareness, you know, everything you see is put together in your occipital lobes, in the back of your Uh, brain, Uh, everything you hear is put together in the acoustic and temporal cortex, Uh, executive function, language, uh, body position in space. These things are all distributed uh, in various parts of the neocortex. So once you get rid of the neocortex, which my meningoencephalitis did so effectively, Mm -hmm. uh, you have no place left to have a dream or hallucination.
2: So, so many people who hear about their parents who are dying, oh, my mother has shown up, oh, there they go hallucinating. It's not a hallucination.
0: That's actually a sign of reality. Yeah,
2: their loved ones are actually showing up. And so in this paper, we're setting out to really provide all of the evidence that supports this concept, and there is plenty of it. And so we're really hoping that whoever wins the contest, there's 50 entrants, Mm-hmm. Uh, and there will be three top winners and 11 honorable mentions, we're told. And uh, whoever wins, whoever's the top paper, we really, really hope that this begins a serious conversation in the mainstream world about this topic, because so many people just dismiss it. And we need to start realizing this is how reality works. We don't really die when our physical body dies.
1: Mm, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I, not to bring up, um, with my mother, but when she was, well, let me, uh, switch here. But when she was, um, in the process of passing away, of course, I, I asked her, do you still believe in angels? I don't know why I asked her that, but it was kind of in the moment. And she looked at me and said, yes, of course. <laughs> she was with the angels. She was with, me. Exactly. She was. Well, that's, and, that's
0: the beautiful thing about this. In fact, my mother, uh, passed in April of, uh, of um, 2019, Uh, and it was an amazing experience for my three sisters and myself uh, who were there at her bedside. Uh, Mm -hmm. She had been uh, uh, completely unconscious for four days there at the very end because of a a respiratory thing. She was 99 years old, but her Mm -hmm. mind had been very sharp up until those last four days when she just uh, was unconscious. Uh, But in the uh, the second night of those four days, she actually woke up at two thirty in the morning, fully lucid, conversant. She woke her nurse up. She said, "My mother's here. Call my children. She's here." Wow. And I know from all of my experience working in this with th- thousands of cases, NDEs, deathbed visions, after death communications. I know that that is actually a sign of the reality of the experience.
2: Well, and that she's very close to death because the other thing that was noted in this study—they tracked, you know, how when these events were actually happening and first people were dreaming of living relatives and their past they would kind of return back to their childhood and relive certain events and then as they got closer and closer to the moment of death dreams of deceased relatives and loved ones increased significantly and uh, it's interesting that um, the other thing is about all of this is that most people don't talk about these experiences even when they're on their deathbed they think if they talk about them people will think they're crazy and in fact that's what happens and so some of these participants would say oh my gosh you mean you want to hear about these experiences you don't think i'm crazy and so what a gift it would bring to this world if we all realized this was coming and that it's actually a beautiful transition uh, Christopher Kerr talks about how much of what these people are going through in those final days, they're really coming to terms with events in their lives. They're finding peace. Uh, they're, once they kind of start having a foot in both worlds, that peace takes over. So any angst just dissolves away. And uh, this this really needs to be seen as a beautiful transitional process. And of course, so many of us don't even think about that moment. We just put it out of our minds until the day comes, or it could just happen suddenly, as you say, it did with your mother. So it's good, I think, for us to be prepared.
1: I had questions that, that people actually sent me. Uh, our listeners actually sent me a bunch of questions, if you don't mind.
0: Sure.
1: Um, and it it, it kind of it obviously does tie in, but they asked, you know, what is. They were trying to understand what is consciousness and and non-local consciousness, consciousness, and what is the difference between the two.
0: Yes, the first thing let's yeah. let's start with consciousness, and and the definition really is very simple. It's awareness of existing, you know. So that is something that our fellow humans, our fellow animals, we can surmise of. Uh, We all have a sense of existing. There's something it is like to be us existing in this world,
2: and that's what continues after your physical body. And that is
0: what continues now. um, The uh, so conscious awareness is kind of the key concept. Now it turns out there's a a slightly kind of paradoxical twist to that in the full definition, and that is because uh, there's all there's also a, a body of information that is known as your subconscious or your unconscious. Uh, that does play a role, but in the, in the moment may not be immediately apparent as kind of conscious elements. So uh, when we talk about consciousness, you also have to admit that there's a certain facet of consciousness that seems to be a bit subliminal, kind of below your everyday consciousness, and yet we can have access to it. And of Eddie. course- Go ahead. that is that is a, a region that we get into for example in dreams you get into the uh, the unconscious and and a lot of the interaction in dreams uh, has to do with working through the elements of, of the unconscious but
2: that's not what non-local consciousness no
0: is. no then okay so this is the co- the consciousness we're talking about now is uh, kind of your everyday consciousness of living in this world and then of course the consciousness this uh, unconscious piece of uh, that concerns dreams and that kind of thing. But then also, um, there is our ability to know things at a distance. One of the uh, kind of uh, hardcore tenets of modern uh, materialist conventional neuroscience is that we can only know things through the kin of our physical senses. You know, what can our eyes see? What do our ears hear? What can we touch and feel and sense in our local environment? And so conventional science falsely believes that's all that our mind has access to. And yet modern psychology must admit through evidence in millions of cases that we also have access to information beyond our immediate here and now.
2: And that's non-local that's consciousness. That's
0: non-local consciousness. And that presents, for example, in telepathy. Uh, if you want to learn more about telepathy, read Guy Playfair's book, Twin Telepathy. He estimates 35% of identical twins have strong telepathic connection so strong that, for example, if one of them burns their finger on a stove, the other twin a a 1,000 miles away could develop a blister and feel pain on that same finger. Uh, That's a really powerful connection, and yet he documents many of those kind of cases. So telepathy, a very strong example of kind of non-local consciousness. Uh, We also have things like psychokinesis, distance healing. Uh, These are all things that have been studied scientifically. Remote viewing is one of the most intensely studied you know, the uh, various kind of psychic spy programs and other ways of discerning information at a distance and and not even localized to the now. Uh, So these are all examples of non-local consciousness. And I would simply expand that list by saying that then you can move into things like near-death experiences and very similar in quality or shared death experiences, but they happen in people who are physiologically normal. Uh, A shared death experience is just like an NDE, but it, for example, happens if, if somebody, Uh, maybe a thousand miles from their mother who is uh, departing the physical world right now and her soul comes through them on the way out even to the point where the bystander's soul can witness a full-blown life review that's an example of a shared death experience Anyway, these are all examples, and then you can add that huge category of scientific material on the past life memories in children suggested reincarnation. Every bit of that is non-local consciousness, and there's scientific evidence supporting all of it. That's a big part of what we study and what many scientists study trying to answer these questions.
1: Yeah, I know my mother also uh, interviewed, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, you must be familiar, Bill Guggenheim.
0: Sure. Yes. Yeah. Very
1: so, well. Yeah. He... he and, in and actually he he was on a, a few times but uh in, anyway it just it, it brought up some some memories there that he discussed that of his own experience with with kids who have who have had uh, not only transition but also have had uh, many experiences
0: and i can highly recommend bill and judy guggenheim's book hello from heaven yes. uh, where they they reviewed more than 3000 cases of after death communication consolidated it down to like 300 plus of the very best cases.
2: In nice categories. In nice categories.
0: It's a very well-written book. And of course, uh, after-death communication is probably the mode that that 40% or so of uh, modern uh, folks in the Western hemisphere, at least, have have heard of or or know of spiritual reality because they've had their own after-death communication.
2: But Uh, a huge percentage of those people don't speak about that. Yeah,
0: they won't talk about it because (laughs) you're worried people think they're crazy. That's why we need to get this discussion up front and personal with everybody. Because the more we understand about this, the better we can live our lives knowing the deeper truth of our existence.
2: Right. And some people call these extraordinary experiences. And what we're realizing is that they're normal experiences but we just don't have the worldview that accepts them as normal. But in yeah. fact, they're just a normal part of being yeah. human.
1: Yeah. It just, it, it harkens back to to what my own mother's probably perception of what she went through. I wish I could have spoken to her after or before because she was, she was so, so amazing actually. And I'm always trying, to, trying uh, to reach out to her and I've had a dude. few signs. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, I'd love to hear more about a few signs, because to us, those are very, very intriguing.
2: And I expect your mother would know how to deliver that. Yeah, she would
0: be one very good (laughs) at kind of reaching back
1: across. Apparently,
2: it's up to that person, that energy to create that. So what happened? Did you have some signs?
1: I've had quite a few signs, (laughs) Uh, uh, one of of which was, I I don't know if you're familiar with Forty. It, there was a book actually that Dave Kane wrote. His son passed away uh, during the station fire in Rhode Island,
0: oh. and,
1: and uh, it was called Forty One Signs of Hope. And and Dave Kane, has a, he and I are, are fairly connected because of my mother too, because they were really close friends, and and because of all this, because Nikki actually came to my mother apparently, and that's how Dave Kane and my mom really met.
2: Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. But anyway, but one I mean one specific sign was not only that connection and another friend of mine who was also connected to the station fire, but uh forty so my mother passed away on two, 2021, but he he pointed out, Oh, it's four <laughs> one, but everything seems to align with forty-one. It's kind of interesting. My okay. mother passed away. 410 and that was four years ago, uh mm-hmm. in, in April on Passover, and my mother passed away on Passover.
2: Oh and, wow
1: But occasionally I out of nowhere I see a dime just drop. And and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. thanks, Mom. Like I was opening up some laundry or something, and there was no there was no laundry or materials. I was just opening up, and then all of a sudden from the ceiling or whatever, it just dropped in front of me. So I was uh, like, I'm like, okay. Cause I always said, Hmm, is she around? Yeah. <laughs> those synchronicities
0: here. are a beautiful gift of the ongoing connection we share with our loved ones, even yeah. after they have left the physical plane. Yes. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. And I also got in touch with a, a medium actually, uh, who didn't know me. And it was very, very, uh, kind of a, an awakening experience. Cause I was going to have her on the show, uh-huh. but, she, but she, uh, she said that I didn't need to tell her about my mother at all, actually. And, and she brought up uh, things that were, were relevant, like what's going on with their car and what, <laughs> you know, but my okay. mother was connecting in that way. So it was really interesting. It sounds like what my mother would say. Yeah, <laughs> so, Well,
2: mediumship evidence is also a part of this paper because me- some mediums are quite talented at bringing through accurate information And it really is another piece of evidence that our awareness continues and is able to then communicate in all different ways, the dimes, through a medium, uh, all kinds of ways, a feeling, a perfume smell, so many ways we can stay in touch. The absolute best way is the way Eben did it and so many others. They had their own experience. They knew firsthand from having had the experience. I'm not sure Eben ever would have read all of these research and and everything, unless he'd had that experience. And that's really the shame of it. But if people are curious, you can take matters into your own hands. I never had a near-death experience that I practice all kinds of techniques Uh, non-local consciousness techniques, ways to get in touch with that part of me that's greater than this body. And that's what I think uh, us and we and your mother really bonded over because she understood that at such a deep level, that knowing that sort of authentic essence of who you are will get you closer to realizing that it never dies. and uh you know we can talk about it all we want there's plenty of evidence some people that's enough when they dive in and start doing all of that reading uh occasionally you'll run across a story that potentially has some issues maybe some fraud or or something like that but those are rare and to find just one of those by no means uh dismisses all of the other experiences that's what people need to realize and uh Seeking out and cultivating experience with your inner world through meditation, through contemplation, there's all kinds of techniques out there, centering prayer, um, uh, self-hypnosis or Mm. hypnosis itself with a practitioner, all kinds of ways to do this. That's really the best way is to set out on a journey and find out for yourself
0: one of the most fascinating things about kind of the scientific angle that where all this is going uh, concerns this notion of mind and the one mind. And not only that, Mm. uh, especially with some of the lessons from quantum physics and, uh, you know, the the most extraordinary cases of non-local consciousness, what we begin to discover is the entire material world is a projection from of a level of consciousness. And that's where uh, things really start to shift in terms of our ability to uh, appreciate uh, the power of mind over matter. I mean, we've known mind over matter is real for a long time. For example, in medicine, placebo effect, it's our gold standard we've used for more than six decades now in assessing any new uh, treatment modality. Medication, some procedures can be assessed through sham procedures, but placebo effect, is very real. And it is not just fooling somebody into thinking a sugar pill will cure their headache. People can cure cancers, advanced infections. Uh, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of healing that goes on with mind working over matter. And as you start to realize that, you then start to realize that everything you've ever seen out in that world has actually been a construct within mind. And although that sounds a bit deep and challenging to some people, it's definitely the territory you need to start investigating if you want to learn more about this personal experience comes from exploring within consciousness this is why i meditate an hour or two a day i use sacred acoustics uh and uh, we've written a lot about that in our third book living in a mindful universe we discuss it in great detail um we've shared this with other NDEers ears uh, as a mode of returning to the nde and not only that But in our workshops, we help people generate and cultivate their own kind of sense of an NDE. Karen came up with a brilliant idea of using grace and scale to help us in these workshops for guiding people through meditation to have the various elements of an NDE. The
2: grace and scale is 16 16 features of an NDE that you score at certain levels. And then that tells you if you had an NDE and how intense it was. Mm -hmm. And the same types of features can be... Cultivate it through meditative experiences, not necessarily in a precisely the same way, but you can really get a feel for it for sure. All right, well, anyone who's curious can go to sacredacoustics.com. There's a free download that you can get by entering your email and just listen for yourself. Contained in these recordings are binaural beats, monaural beats, and different types of harmonics. This is a form of brainwave entrainment. These types of sounds don't necessarily sound like regular music, but they're designed to relax your brain from that beta state of awareness. That's the state we're in now. We're walking, we're talking, that sort of thing. But what we want to do is get it more into that theta level. That's where we're getting closer and closer to sleep. And so binaural lower
0: frequencies.
2: frequencies. And so uh, Mm. these these frequencies are designed to help calm the mind. And we did a pilot study uh, that was published in the Journal of Nervous and Mental Disease in uh, February of 2020 uh, that showed in a busy psychiatric practice in New York City a 26% reduction in anxiety after just two weeks of listening. And so these, these frequencies aren't necessarily only for generating, you know, Non-local consciousness experiences, they also can just help you to relax, help you to sleep, help you to focus. So many of us have these very busy minds. I know mine is, and when I first tried to meditate, that's all that would happen is my thoughts would just constantly go. And so these types of recordings, along with some other techniques, really help to settle the mind and give me that foundation so that I can move a little further. And some people use them for temporarily to address a certain issue, and others like Evan use them on an ongoing basis. And I can tell you that those who do this on an ongoing basis, eventually uh, things start to happen that maybe they weren't expecting. Um, You know, intuitive feelings start to get stronger. Uh, The dream space gets more vivid. Um, Really, any sort of meditative techniques can contribute to those types of things. But these recordings at sacredacoustics.com. Are just one way, one tool of getting into that space.
0: I would simply add, uh, you know, as a neuroscientist interested in uh, consciousness exploration, I was very attracted to binaural beat brainwave entrainment uh, way back in uh, 2011. Uh, soon after my coma, I knew, I knew I had to get into meditation, uh, but I wanted to really 2010. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But I needed a very powerful tool. And I'd heard about differential frequency uh, uh, brainwave entrainment working to do that, and, and just mm. kind of cut to the chase for your audience.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and we do discuss this a lot in Living in a Mindful Universe in our third book. Uh, but what we think is going on here is these sounds, uh, slight differences in the frequency between the two ears, uh, influence the lower brainstem in a very powerful fashion. Uh, and in fact, this phenomenon was discovered in the mid-1800s by a Prussian physicist. He found that a, a pure tone in one ear and a slightly different pure tone, say, for example, 100 hertz, 100 cycles per second one ear, 104 hertz in the other, gives you a 4 hertz wavering signal, this powerful one, 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 it's right. deep down in the brainstem, and that uh, seems to work in liberating conscious awareness from the here and now. And what I believe is happening is it's really creating such a strong resonance uh, between that lower ignition system in the brainstem and the upper, uh, what are called thalamocortical loops in the neocortex, that it's actually allowing. Kind of a monotonization of the information processing there to allow your conscious awareness to go free.
2: But you don't have to understand. You don't have to that. understand
0: the mechanism at you just all. Have just to experience it. it, and it's important to listen through headphones. Headphones yes. do uh, 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 give you the maximum amount of power from these tones.
2: And I'll tell you, uh, if you're interested in those recordings that help to reduce anxiety, we have. Put them into a bundle. We call it the Whole Mind Bundle, and they are the exact same recordings and listening protocols used in that pilot study. Available to anyone, regardless of financial uh, issues, we make it completely free if needed. Uh, so just go check that out if you're interested.
0: The Whole Mind Bundle, and and, and by the way, that uh, case study, the control group only had a six percent improvement. Seven percent. Seven percent versus twenty-six percent. And the control the group. Work.
2: The control group were patients in the practice who mm-hmm. got their regular therapy, but did not add listening to these sounds as part of their routine. So they were in their normal therapy and didn't see nearly as much reduction in anxiety over that two-week period.
0: Right. And and it's the report is by Dr. Anna Yusim, Y-U-S-I-M. Uh, and she's she wrote a beautiful book called Fulfilled, which is all about a spiritual approach to psychiatric practice. I highly recommend her book.
1: Oh, oh, that's great. I'm going to look into that. And I'm sure our listeners will as well.
2: I bet you would love to interview her. She's a wonderful She's awesome like person. Yeah, if you'd like, we can put you in touch.
1: Oh, that would be great. I'd love that. That would be terrific. Um, when So when you go in this meditation state using the acoustics, can you also – I mean, when you go into this higher consciousness, uh, you could also potentially have a, not a near-death experience, but – uh, almost like an awakening correct usually when you go to the invitations
0: uh well yes you have i what i've experienced is uh basically a, a bridge to connect with uh, my guides with uh, that yeah. beautiful guardian angel i had in my uh near-death experience but also as and i tell the story my initial contact with my father my uh, father had passed over four years before my coma and yet he was no part of my nde part of Part of the confusion there uh, probably is related to my amnesia, but the oh. amnesia was a very crucial element. But I uh, and I explain all this in detail in Living in a Mindful Universe. But I did encounter my father's soul. Uh, early on with this kind of uh, differential frequency brainwave entrainment. And and he has returned to me periodically uh, as a very important guide. Now, I will mm-hmm. confess, uh, I, I can't always successfully connect with him in meditation.
2: And you also do not have the same hyper real. Yeah,
0: that's the feature. other thing I, I must admit, it, it, is the meditation has been very powerful as a way to develop my relationship with, uh, with all the elements of my NDE and really to... Uh, kind of relive and carry carry on with the energy and the healing power and information of that NDE. But as Karen points out, I have not yet fully duplicated that, that ultimate ultra-reality that I experienced deep in coma in the Gateway Valley and in the core realm of things being way too real to be real, much more real than this world. People often mistakenly think that an NDE is kind of dreamy and murky. No. That's this life, in these bodies, in the material world, is dreamy murky and there's not hospice, that real
2: and those hospice patients huh. say exactly the same thing really dreams and visions are more real than real they use the exact same language to describe them and many people wonder well near-death experience they didn't really die so how do we know if that's what really happens well all you have to do is look at those folks who really died and uh, at least what's happening leading up to that moment of death is Precisely the same, and so I think we need to start realizing that near-death experiences really do give us a peek into what we can all expect.
1: Yeah, I could I could do multiple shows on this. <laughs> there's, there's so a, many
2: topics, especially
1: with all the bereavement.
0: You know. know, the COVID crisis, you know, know. hundred thousand uh, dead, and, and many of them dying alone. There's a lot of bereavement and, and grief going on in our society so this this whole narrative is so crucial because what it reminds people of is the absolute reality of our ongoing connection with our loved ones even after they've left the physical plane and that is a crucial thing to bring to this world's attention with all of the 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 death that's gone on with the covid pandemic uh and certainly with everything going on in this world we need to be more connected Uh, be able to trust this universe a lot more. And we certainly can as we become more involved in this kind of work and understanding, personal exploration, meditation, all of that is crucial. You know, our ego mind kind of runs so much of our existence in these material bodies. It's one of the things I love about meditation is the very first thing I can do is let my ego mind ask a question, state an intention. But then my ego mind, Evan Alexander's little ego, goes into time out. And -hmm. that's when my higher soul that I first came in touch with my NDE can really burst forth in this uh, extraordinary meditative experience Uh, And that's where you learn to trust in the universe. That's where we start to harvest the love and compassion and start feeling at home in this universe very fully, and then start bringing those gifts of love and connection and oneness into our lives and sharing them with our fellow beings. That's what it will take to help this world go to the next level.
2: Right. And all of this, uh, as much as we talk about, oh, this is what happens when you die. It's more about what does that information tell us about how to live our lives here and now. That's the most important thing, all of the things that Evan just stated. Really, uh, you know, near-death experiencers and those people who are dying, they touch this very peaceful, loving energy. And just imagine a world where we could bring that energy into our bodies and the heart naturally radiates it to the world around us. And so the more of us who can really get in touch with that energy, the more we truly are bringing it into this world here and now, and doesn't the world need more love?
0: We do. <laughs> and, and realizing we're all in this together. Yeah. So we really should all be helping each other at every turn. Yeah. And the kind of political polarization and uh, conflict, uh, ongoing warfare, uh, you know, the violence we see kind mm. of re emerging after the pandemic, uh, this is not really who we, we are or should be. And I think we can improve this world dramatically and learn some lessons from all this. And after the COVID pandemic is a perfect time to start to adjust our living and our lives and our sense of who we are and where we're headed so that we can more appropriately guide, uh, you know, stewardship of this planet, uh, take responsibility and start taking care of each other.
1: With, with sacred acoustics, uh, I'm sure you've must seen, seen a, a much more of a flux too during the pandemic. People well that is
2: precisely the time that i made the whole mind bundle available at no cost for those who, oh, wow. who have that need i reduced the price significantly and then have a free option because i didn't want anyone to be left out of this uh, because as someone else takes the time to calm their mind the rest of us benefit and um yes we have seen a lot of people take advantage of these recordings. Now they're not for everyone. Some may not you know resonate with them. Everyone will find a tool that works best for them. but so many have found solace uh, just from listening to these recordings, it calms them down. Some people are able to uh, you know, really feel that connection to something greater. They're able to touch that peaceful, loving energy. and it just helps so, so much when dealing. With all of this anguish around the world right now. Yeah,
0: the other thing I would point out about the pandemic is, uh, early on, all of our uh, we had workshops and all kinds of work scheduled for 2020, and then way back there in uh, you know February,
1: uh, March, March,
0: March, everything started getting canceled. Yeah. And Karen had the brilliant idea to start a, a bi weekly webinar, and we would invite guests oh, wow. who we would normally encounter at these meetings and conferences,
2: all of our friends and, and colleagues
0: and 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 anybody in your listening audience can access all of those videos for free they're all archived if you go to unitedinhopeandhealing.com you
2: have to create a a login and a password
0: and and it's all free free and and there's a tremendous amount there's a
2: whole year's worth of archives we we halted we wow. halted the webinar series at the end of May to focus this on year. this paper that we're working on. Right, but and we don't know a, if we'll pick up again. We will make that decision after the summer.
0: But the library mm-hmm. of interviews is uh, anyone who's got is Raymond Moody, in topics, Kim
2: Van Lama. We've got experiencers, Grayson, a couple we, mediums, researchers, oh, wow. uh, several it. amazing yeah. near-death experiences uh, of people.
0: Yeah. So basically, I would say that uh, UnitedInHopeAndHealing.com. That set of interviews uh, is a basic course in modern consciousness studies for those interested in, in uh, you know, coming to a much deeper knowledge of all this about the realities, not only of the afterlife but of reincarnation and of how to live these lives. That's all what emerges from that uh, uh, set of interviews. So I would encourage people to to go enjoy them, and that, mm-hmm. and also you'll be first. To hear if you're on that list of of what we do next after uh, you know the right. summer and early fall when we start
1: reengineering ourselves. So, I'm I'm definitely going to sign up and log in. Good. Yeah,
2: check them out. Excellent. And what's really really neat is that people from all over the world were tuning into these. Some of them did this regularly. It was kind of their you know uh, two weeks. Was their bam, therapy their therapy while stuck yeah. at home. A lot of people from England were tuning in. Um, but um, where was I going with that? At any rate, oh yes, they've they've left countless comments. They've right. joined the discussion. They've shared their wow. own experiences. There's just a rich body of information from our viewers who shared their own uh, thoughts and experiences. So
1: that's also incredible. Browsing so through. Is this a site that you set up? Yes. Wow, that's incredible. That's mm-hmm. great.
2: I was uh, formerly, I was a web developer. So once a web developer, always a web developer. <laughs> oh,
1: wow, that's great. Oh, very yeah. good and also the web, the web
2: <laughs> development has gotten very easy with so many uh, user friendly programs where you don't need to know the code. So I rarely have to use my code skills.
1: Yes, that's always helpful because yeah. I, I do all, all of our development too. So I know what that that side of the yep. brain.
2: <laughs> so. It's gotten a lot easier since the yeah. 90s, that's for sure.
1: Yes, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Wayne Dyer always talked about the power of intention and the infinite intelligence. And I was just wondering, what, do you, what are your thoughts on the role of intention or the, the role that intention is?
2: Well, intention is huge because underlying all of us is an intention. And many of us aren't really aware of our intentions as we go throughout our day. And the more you can become aware of them, the more you can use them to really create what you want to see happen in your life. And so lots of people talk about intention as, you know, repeating a phrase over and over again, or, you know, you put a little sticky on your mirror with that phrase and uh, the thing that that is missing from that is the feeling of what would you feel like should that intention be fulfilled. And so adding that to your sense of intention is very critical. And I believe Wayne Dyer was a proponent of that as well. I remember listening to him long, long, long ago on uh, cassette tape recordings, I guess from his uh, PBS programs, but he was talking about this sort of thing many, many years ago. So. It's about time. But did you have any words on intention?
0: Well, I think intention is everything. And, you know, in fact, we really uh, all of us uh, could benefit from paying more attention to our intentions. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mentioned a little while ago about how powerful placebo effect is. If we have the kind of power to cure cancers and heal very of challenging infections and things like that with the power of mind, which has been well demonstrated. Then of course we can also influence many other aspects of our life. And that has to do with intention. What do we want?
2: Not just with our minds, but with our heart. Yeah, we have got to feel it with the heart. Feel it
0: with that heart energy. Do that in deep meditation. Use that uh, after you kind of align with some guides and uh, watch out because uh, that intention can actually lead to an unfolding reality um and uh,
2: and also when you sort of set an intention oftentimes we recommend doing that in a meditative state just mm -hmm. sort of at the beginning just sort of feel that feeling state that phrase and uh, then let it go have no expectation as to how that intention will be fulfilled because many of us have sort of predetermined ideas about what should happen and we may be completely surprised i know i have been about how our intention will actually be fulfilled so yeah letting go is a very key part of that
0: and a lot of it does involve trusting in the universe because in many ways it's it's not trying to force some specific outcome but to to invite and attract the highest and best uh outcome for all involved the win-win situation the love solution uh the healing solution the uh Uh, These are always there, and yet they're not uh, apparent from an ego perspective. And Mm -hmm. that's why this is so important to do, like in meditation, uh, where we left the little ego voice and its petty little concerns in the rearview mirror, because uh, connecting with our higher soul can be a very powerful tool to help us come into this kind of knowing and uh, allowing that trust in the universe to manifest as something that is the highest and best good for all involved. Uh, so I think that's really uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned from my NDE and certainly from my ongoing meditative practice mm-hmm. is that I can trust tremendously that the benevolence of the universe is there. Uh, all I have to do is serve as a conduit to bring love and and comfort and healing to everyone around me. And it's, I, I serve as that conduit then the universe can also gift me with that kind of, of loving and, and comfort and trust and the, the best outcome for all.
1: Oh, that's great. What, and we've got one minute left, unfortunately, uh, but what, what would you like to leave with our listeners today?
0: Uh, just because we have a minute, I'll jump in. I'd <laughs> sorry, love to hear what Karen has to say. Sorry, so the really, Every soul is involved in this awakening of humanity. And
2: every soul is important. No No soul soul left left behind. behind. I think we would agree
0: on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it really is all about acknowledging and living the oneness that we share. We're sharing a heart consciousness. As any NDE NDE person will tell you, when you come to the end of your life, you find that the love you've been able to hand out to others is the only important thing by which to measure the value of your life. And that is something we should all live with every single day. Loving ourselves, loving others.
1: That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you both. I, I Thank you. really appreciate it. Well, this is uh, Dan Gilman uh, with Discover Your Potential, and we look forward to hearing from you next time. This is Cindy Gilman, and you're listening to Discover Your Potential. So until next time, do something nice for yourself, but do something nice for someone else.
0: The only music that